Well, if you would, take your Bibles this morning and turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is where we're going to be. And as we look at this next text of Scripture, we see where our strength comes from as God's children in the area of prayer. Far too often we lean into each day's tasks, I believe, in our own strength, when in reality the Holy Spirit is near to help us. I don't know about you, but I'm one of those guys that likes to figure it out. If there's a problem, figure it out. If there's a way, work my way through it, fight my way through it and try to do what I can do to fix the problems or fix, fix the situation that I don't think is right or best or whatever. And I think just far too often we lean into every day with our own abilities, our own strengths, rather than trusting in God who has His Holy Spirit right there with us to help us with these things. And uh, before I get too far into the message, as I look at these, we're only looking at two verses, and I figure in my mind this is going to be a shorter message, but every time I say that, I mess myself up. So I won't say it. Just kind of put that thought out there. So at any rate, uh, before we get into it, let's just, uh, I want to read Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, and then we will have a word of prayer. And in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come before you, we ask, God, that you would speak to our hearts. And Lord, as it comes to our prayer life, Lord God, I ask that we would just honestly, as 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us, Lord, to pray without ceasing. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you would just open up doors of opportunity for us in this area of prayer. And God, that we would realize that you are a God, you're an omniscient God who knows all things. And God, you know what we have need of even before we ask. But yet, God, you, call, you tell us, Lord, you command us to call unto you and unto your name. And we ask, God, that we might be faithful and obedient to do just that. So, God, speak to our hearts this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at this text of Scripture here, you know, it's just something as I've, I've read this passage of Scripture numerous times in my life. Uh, and if you've been in church any amount of time in your life, you've probably heard numerous messages on this subject as well. That the Spirit makes groanings and utterings for us which we don't even understand. What does that even mean? And it's, I find it just so ironic that of all the millions and millions and millions of books and commentaries and doctrinal surveys and essays, you know, they really don't talk a whole lot about it. And the reality is because I think a lot of people don't practice prayer like we ought. And uh, you may disagree with me on that, but I don't think there's a lot of people... Uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to put my hand, my own hand in the air when I say this. I read an article one time about Martin Luther, and he made this comment. He said, I have so much to do today. In fact, I have so much to do today that I must start the first four hours in prayer. And I'm thinking to myself, good night in the morning. How in the world do you spend just four straight hours praying through a prayer list? And, uh, I'm not, and, the, and let me just say this. I'm not advocating that you all become Martin Luther's and just start, you know, those of you that get up at 6, you don't have to get up at 2 just to start your day. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that I wonder how often we go about our own day without even contemplating a time of prayer and saying, God, I give you this day. And whatever happens this day, it's yours. And God, whatever circumstance comes up this day, I'm giving it to you. And God, whatever action or reaction is needed this day, I'm going to ask that your Holy Spirit guide me in these things. I think so often, and maybe you're apart from me, maybe you're different than me, but I think we do way too much as we lean into our own flesh and our own strength. And as I was reading through this, it was not only a rebuke, but a reminder that we have the Holy Spirit there with us in every aspect of life to go before the Father even when we don't know what to say. 
And I think that ought to be not only a rebuke, but a reminder that ought to encourage us to spend more time in prayer for all these circumstances. So he begins here in in, uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. It says, and in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. You know, and I think God does not waste words within his word. He says what he means, means what he says, and there's always a reason behind what he says, right? So when it says, in the same way, what is he even referring to in that standpoint? Well, in the same way refers to the previous text of Scripture that we looked at last week. So if we were to go back, he says that we have this idea of the Holy Spirit being with us. It says, for I consider, verse 18, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And we talked about that no matter what we can face, no matter what we go through, regardless of whether it's trials or temptations, or especially as it's mentioned in the text, persecutions, no matter what it is that we go through, is that it's nothing in this life to go through these things and compared to what we will face one day in glory, right? So he says, For the anxious longing of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. So there's this idea we are looking forward to the fact that one day we are going to be as the sons of God with Jesus Christ in all of glory. And this is verse 20, For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope. So the idea that we have hope, we have it's not a matter of, well, I, I think it might happen, or I, I guess it might happen. We have confidence and concrete evidence that God is going to work in these circumstances. And then he goes on verse 22, For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. We went back to Genesis 3 and how the... The, the curse is upon man because of the sinfulness of man. And then verse 24, For in hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. Remember? I mean, I, if I hope for a million dollars, but I, you know, I don't see it, well, that's, I'm still hoping for it. But the reality is if I have a million dollars, I don't have to hope for it because it's right here, right? Hope is in what we don't have yet. Hope is what we look forward to and what God says is going to come to pass. Verse 20 says, but if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we eagerly wait for it. So we're awaiting. And so we think of waiting as something that is past, I mean, uh, that is uh, passive. Where the word waiting here is not passive, it's active. We are actively serving, obeying, doing what God wants us to do as we await what God is going to do in glory one day. So he says, and in the same manner. So in the same way hope sustains us and gets us through our current persecution and trials, the Spirit currently helps us now. So that's the same manner. In the same way that we look forward to hope with the help of the Spirit, in the same manner we have the Spirit helping us now through the trials of this life and uh, our prayer requests and so forth. So there's no greater comfort than to know that we are not alone and that we do, don't have to wait, have all the answers in everything that we're waiting for. So the very text presupposes the fact that we don't know everything. We don't always know what we're, we're, what we're supposed to pray for. We don't always know how God is going to work. We don't always know what God is going to say in a circumstance. But we know that the Spirit is there with us, helping us navigate our way through it, right? So then it says, and in the same way, the Spirit helps our weakness. So just let that sink in just for a, just for a minute. You know, kind of marinate on that just for a moment in your brains. We all have what? Weaknesses. We all do. And if you think you don't have a weakness or weaknesses, you are fooling yourself. We all have weaknesses. The idea behind the word helps here, the Spirit helps, is that of coming to the aid of, or lifting up of, or supporting of. In other words, you have things that you need help lifting. 
There are things that you need to be sustained through. There are things that you need to be supported as you're going through them. So he says the idea here is that the Spirit helps, it supports, it lifts up, it encourages those that are going through them in all the weaknesses. And then the concept within this word helps is that there is someone with you. Isn't that amazing? In other words, you are never alone. The whole idea and the whole concept of the word helps is that you are not alone. There is somebody that is helping you. And that somebody is the Holy Spirit. So often, we, I think we struggle unnecessarily because we are looking at it from a perspective that this trial, this temptation, this difficulty that we're facing is all mine. It's all mine. No one else is going through this. Nobody else is dealing with it like, dealing with it like I'm dealing with it. No, there... <laughs> We have to realize that there is nothing that happens to you that is not common to man. There is nothing that comes into your life that all of mankind doesn't experience. You're not that special that you're the only one going through it. Everybody goes through stuff. And the idea here is that there is someone who is willing and able and present to help you through that. That's the whole idea behind the word helps. There is somebody there to support, to lift up, to encourage, you're not alone. And then it goes on to say, in verse 26, and in the same way, the Spirit helps our weakness. The idea behind weakness is this. You are without strength. You're in a being or in a state of being incapacitated. How many of you have ever felt that way before in your life? That you've been in a state of weakness? A state of being incapacitated? That idea has the idea of I don't know what to do. I'm kind of helpless. I'm kind of stuck. I don't know how to move forward. I can't get myself to move forward. I don't know what steps to take to move forward. I'm just kind of in this spot and I can't really do anything about it. That's the idea of the word weakness here. So it's the idea, or the concept within this word help is that there's someone there to help you, but it's without strength, being a state of being incapacitated. You know, in first, keep your fingers there in Romans chapter 8, but over just a couple of chapters to the right, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 3, it says this. It says, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Can you imagine? Every, we looked at last week all the things that Paul went through. Stoned, shipwrecked, left for dead, beaten with rods, uh, beaten uh, several times, you know, 40 minus 1 lash, I mean, everything that he went through, this place... And can you imagine anybody in all of Scripture feeling more helpless at times than the Apostle Paul? And he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And he says, and my word and my preaching were not persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. But he learned early on, he realized from the beginning that the Holy Spirit was there to help him, to encourage him, to lift him up. The Greek word here for strength here or helplessness, or or without strength, is the word anesthenia. It's translated all throughout the New Testament as an ailment, as uh, illness, as an infirmity, as a sickness, uh, as a weakness or weaknesses. But most often it refers to weakness or infirmity. So here's the idea. Anytime that we are going through an infirmity, anytime that we are going through a weakness, anytime that we are going through an ailment, 
and a sickness. Every time that we feel like we are in that situation where we are helpless, where we feel incapacitated, we're not sure how to go forward or if we can go forward or how, you know, how to go forward in any of those circumstances, he says, you're not alone. You are absolutely 100% not alone because the Holy Spirit is there to help you in every one of your weaknesses. And that word weakness is a broad word to translate in all those different areas. So as we read in the text, we see that it's true to be, uh, this to be true as Paul points our prayer life, which is spiritual, not physical. See, if we approach everything in life as far as our sicknesses, our ailments, our, our weaknesses as a general rule, if we approach them from a physical standpoint, it's all on you. If you're strong, great. If you have the wisdom, wonderful. If you have the confidence, sweet. But what if you don't have those things? Well, then you're helpless anyway. But really, the idea is that it's none of those things. It's what the Holy Spirit does in and through you. It's what you cannot do yourself. Isn't that amazing? It's what you cannot do yourself. And then he goes on and says, For we do not know how we should pray as we ought. And I think this thing really entails two thoughts here. Number one, we don't, as the text tells us, know how to pray as we ought. There are, I'll be honest with you, there are so many times and so many circumstances that even from week to week, I don't know how to pray about this. I know what my flesh wants. I know what my opinion thinks. I know what I think I deserve. I know what I want within my own flesh. But I really don't know what to pray. Because the bottom line is, I don't have the infinite wisdom of God. I don't. Anybody else feel that way? I mean, if you could just snap your finger and say, wow, this is it, boom, done, gone, (laughs) next, right? But it doesn't work that way. The reality is, I don't know what to pray sometimes. There's a physical realm of this. It's a job opportunity. How many of you have ever been in a decent job where you said, man, I could, I could, hey, you know, the job is not perfect. I could stay here for a lot of years and do just fine. And, but I have this other opportunity over here. And it's like, man, should I do it? Should I not? There's pros, there's cons, there's circumstances that would really be good and some circumstances that wouldn't be as good as where I'm at. I don't know if I should take it or not. You ever thought that? I don't know how to pray. Lord, you decide. You take care of it. Shut the door if you don't want me to go through it. Leave it open if you want me to take that step. I don't know, God. You take care of it. Or maybe uh, it's a situation where um, you don't know whether or not to buy this house or not. Well, this house over here, boy, it's got two extra bedrooms I don't have, which would really be nice for our kids. And yeah, but it's a little bit further away from work. And yeah, and, uh, okay, I can afford it, but it's going to be make things tight over here, and it's going to make so we can't do this over here. But Lord God, I really don't know what I should do. I mean, it's just not black and white. God, would you make it? I, I don't know how to pray about this. You ever been in those circumstances? I don't know how to pray for this. Should I give to this, Lord? Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I go here? Should I go there? I, I don't know. I mean, for my flesh, it looks like, boy, this is like, boy, this is another $20,000 a year. This would be awesome, right? I mean, who wouldn't want 20 hey, Done. But at the same time, then you have to give up this, this, and this. Oh, and by the way, you have to work every Sunday, too. Oh, there's a twist, right? I don't know what to do. God, what do you want me to do? Illness. Well, you could take the chemotherapy, you could take the radiation, or you could go the holistic route and just take more vitamins and minerals and supplements and just do this, this, and this, and stop this out of your diet. And 
We have all kinds of choices, all kinds of circumstances. God, what do you want? Do I? Do I not? Should I? Should I not? There are so many times I find in life that I don't know how to pray for something. I know what my flesh wants. That's easy, right? My flesh wants more money. My flesh wants better health. My flesh wants a better position. Those are all things that my flesh would really enjoy. But it may not be what God wants for you. God may want you to be content where you're at. Use the position where you're at to influence those around you because you've built relationships there. How do you pray for these things? I don't know. But I know that as I pray, the Holy Spirit is there to help me in all those circumstances. So he says, for we do not know how to pray as we ask. So I believe there are at least a portion of the text says, I don't know how to pray. Our flesh would have us to respond one way because that's what our flesh desires. But can I just also say this? God wants us to pray. Even when you don't know what to pray. God wants you to pray. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, it says, And this is the confidence which we have before Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from Him. So we do know this, that if we pray according to the will of God, God's going to answer it according to His will, right? So we know we have that confidence that God is going to answer it according to His will if we pray according to His will. However, the opposite is true as well. In James chapter 4, verse 3, it says, You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your own pleasures. So either side of how you pray, I either pray according to God's will and say, God, you do as it is your will, or I pray according to my own flesh and what would benefit me. And those have, each of those choices have consequences. Either you pray according to God's will and God's going to answer according to His will, or you pray according to your own flesh and God's going to answer that one too might be a big fat no, but he'll answer. The reality is we don't always know, but God says to pray. So not only do we, we don't, as the text tells us, know how to praise we are, but number two, we ask for things unaware of how they will truly affect us. There is a song in the country music world that says, thank God for what? Unanswered prayers. Yeah, you know the song. You're just being all shy. You know it. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers, right? Because the reality is, how many times has God not answered a prayer the way that we wanted to and you're thankful that He didn't? I can think of numerous times in my life where I prayed for something and if God would have given me what I asked for, I wouldn't have gotten something better that He gave me. God sometimes, well, not sometimes, He all the time knows what we have need of. And I'm thankful that He doesn't always answer the prayers according to what we want but you have to know this. Let me ask you, as, as a parent to a parent, do you know what your kids have need of, generally speaking? You know they need food. They need a place of shelter, a warm bed, and clothing. You know that they need encouragement, love, and comfort, and support. You know the things that your kids need. Do they have to ask you for those things? Or do you just do it because you love them? I think you do it because you love them, right? You know it's best for him. You got that little child and he's growing up and you're giving him all the food and the attention and the clothing and the support and encouragement that they need. And Doesn't it bring joy to your heart when they say, hey, can you help me with this? They're working at the table with their homework. 
And by all the way, that newfangled math that makes zero sense. I'm watching Facebook videos, and I'm like, this makes... Just, just cross-multiply. That's just... Why do I got to add up in this new Japanese style something or other? I, it makes no sense. Put that aside. Zero sense. Whatever happened to old arithmetic? Anyway. That's it. But doesn't that bring joy to your heart when your kids ask you and you love them enough to, to give them what they ask of? God's Word is so clear that He wants us to ask Him, even though He knows what we have need of. In Philippians chapter uh, 4, let me turn over there. Philippians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I've got to say that for myself sometimes. Colossians, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. It says, be anxious for nothing. Wait, let's just stop right there. <laughs> okay, done. let's just go home. <laughs> let's just be anxious for nothing. Man, don't we worry? Don't we fret? Don't we think about all the what-ifs that may never happen? And what if they do? How? It says, be anxious for nothing. But in most things, in some things, and it says, in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Are we willing to give everything to God? Are we going to worry about it? It's easier to worry. And what happens when we do that? Verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding or comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He says, just give it to me. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to fret over it. You don't have to worry about all the what-ifs. Just give it to me. It's kind of hard for control freaks. I like to control the outcome. I like to figure everything out. I like to know how I was going to do it. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, he says, Now he was calling, telling them a parable to show them at all times they ought to pray and to not lose heart. Wow. At all times, pray. And while you're praying, don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Why? Because God's in control of these things. Either He is or we are, one or the other. But we can't both be in control of it. Jeremiah chapter 33 in verse 3, he says, Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. The bottom line is we think we know what's going to happen. We sometimes don't know what's going to happen. But we like to think we do. He says, Call to me. He goes, I will take care of it. And First Thessalonians, just pray without ceasing. That means no matter what you're doing, no matter where you're going, no matter what's, what you're involved with, just be in a spirit and an attitude of prayer. God wants us. So we pray, knowing that God will answer according to His will. He goes on in our text in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. So in the same, and in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That next phrase, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. There's three things here in the Greek language about interceding. It's three word pictures, three just things that to me make interceding that much more special. Number one, the word picture here, it's the idea as if someone is bringing a petition to the king on our behalf. You've got a situation, you don't know how to deal with it. You've got decisions to make, you're not sure what to do. 
You've got this person right here named the Holy Spirit taking your petition to the King. That's the first word picture here in interceding. It's ideas if someone is bringing a petition to the King. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. The Holy Spirit is going before you to plead your case. Secondly, intercession carries the idea of urgency. Urgency. Something that most of us don't know a lot about because we take our time doing things. We don't really approach God with urgency. We pray once or twice about a given circumstance and then we're on to the next subject. I'm guilty. How often could it be really said of us that we pray for something for weeks and weeks on end or months on end or years on end? We don't see a result. We just move on. Well, it must not be God's will. What if it is God's will and you're just not faithful in praying for it? Could that be a possibility? We just move on. Didn't get what I want. Didn't get when I expected it. Let's just move on. But the reality is, the Holy Spirit intercedes us for us with a sense of urgency before the Father. And then the third thing that I saw as I was doing my study this week, was there's an aspect of rescue involved for, one in the, for the one in the emergency. There is a sense of rescue. Why? Because you don't know what to do and somebody is rescuing you. They're saving you from the situation that you're in. When you put all three of those together, to me that is just absolutely awesome that we have the Holy Spirit interceding for us as if He is bringing our petition to the King with a sense of urgency so that we can be rescued from the situation that we're in. Is that not cool? And the Holy Spirit is doing that for you and for me as children of God. I don't know what he's saying. He says it very clearly in the text. He says he intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I don't know what he's saying. I don't have to know what he's saying. All I know is that He's going to the Father because He's the one that has the answers and He knows what's best for me and He's going to do it according to His will. I don't even know what... I don't even, it doesn't even matter what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's doing it on my behalf and on your behalf. The groanings... With groanings too deep for words, the Spirit makes intense and audible words. This is literally what the Greek says. Intense and audible words. I don't know what that means. I can't understand it. I don't need to know. He knows. My only job is to trust and obey. My only job is to put my confidence in Him. Because He has the answers. So I'm really not sure I truly understand all that this entails. But in our vast inability to express through prayer what our need is, the Holy Spirit of God takes over and pleads our case and groanings uh, or our case with groanings too deep for words. They're too deep for my own understanding, but that's okay. God knows. God understands. God listens. And God is going to work. I don't know about you, but I find myself more and more as I get older. I don't know if it's any different than when I was younger. Maybe now it's just I, I understand it more and I realize a little bit more that there's so much of life I can't control. My goodness, the older I get, I realize that we. four weeks ago, Trish was fine. Four weeks later, gone. 53, 
Anybody expect 53-year-olds to die? No. Things happen every day. I don't understand. Things happen every day. I don't expect. Circumstances arise every day. And as I was a younger man, I'd like to, oh, I just take that. You know, oh, you're behind, just work more hours. Oh, you have this, well, just put in more time. Oh, you need this, just read a few more books. And we just do everything that we can to fix whatever it is that we're facing because that's what we do as humans. We figure it out one way or another. Anybody else guilty? When the first thing we ought to be doing is saying, God, I can't do this. God, I need you. And Lord, I don't know what the answer is, but God, I know you do. And we begin to plead our case before our Father. And the Spirit takes over with a sense of urgency to plead our case with the One who can help us out of this emergency that we find ourselves in. But I find myself with a vast inability to express through prayer what I think needs to happen. And then go on to verse 27, just real quickly. It says, And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Isn't that awesome? So as the Spirit goes through the Father with groanings too deep for man to understand, it says the Father knows what the Spirit or the will of the Spirit is. Why, they're three in one anyway, right? <laughs> That's the Trinity. And they're all in cahoots with each other. They all know each other. They're all working together because they're all one and the same. And he says we're working together to answer according to the Father's will. He says, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Why? Because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Think about this. God the Father searches the heart so that in His infinite wisdom He may know for what the Spirit groans. Why? So He can supply the need according to His will. Isn't that awesome? You and I have the Holy Spirit to go to the throne of God and plead our case. So let's go back to the beginning of that text. Verse 26. And in the same way, in the same way the Spirit helps us as we await for the hope that's going to come one day, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He's got it all taken care of. See, let me ask a question here. Is there a responsibility on your part and mine? Yes or no? Yeah. You know what the responsibility is? You gotta pray. You gotta pray. You see, this is all ineffective if you don't pray. You gotta pray. You gotta take time. You gotta go to the Lord. You gotta surrender yourself to Him and say, God, whatever you desire, whatever it is that you want, whatever your will is, I surrender to you. And pray. And God says at that point, the Spirit takes over. I don't know about you, but I, this is encouraging to me. Because I don't know how to pray for certain circumstances. But He does. And He's going to answer according to His will. That's encouraging. I don't know about you, but if you're not accustomed to praying for stuff, because you're not really sure... How many times have I talked to somebody... Even in this room, it says, well, I pray, I just don't see God doing anything. 
There's times I feel that way. I think anybody that's spent any amount of time in prayer feels that way at times. What's he doing? I don't know. But I think the important, the important point is that you just keep praying. Just keep praying. Just keep praying. As I was studying this week, I found a quote from Spurgeon. I threw it on Facebook, which I don't do too often. But the whole premise of it was, when you don't feel like it, pray. And when you do feel like it, pray. And when you don't get answers, pray. And when you uh, think there's no answers, pray. Just pray. Don't let Satan think that God's not work. Pray. Just pray. All the time. Pray. Don't try to do it in your own flesh. You'll fail. Don't try to do it in your own strength. You'll fail. Don't do it in your own wisdom. You'll fail. You have to trust God and pray. And knowing that when you do, God will work. And He's going to answer according to His will if you'll submit to Him. Lord, I ask God that You would speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, I think there's many of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we don't pray as we ought. We let our emotions take over. We let our fleshly wisdom or the lack thereof take over. We let our circumstances take over. We let our flesh take over. And Lord, we're so often guilty of not just completely surrendering everything to you in prayer. God, there's so much I don't know. There's so much, Lord, I don't understand. There's so many times, God, that I just want things to end or this to be fixed or this to work better. Or, And, God, I don't have the answers, and I think I know what you want, and I could be wrong. But, God, I want your will to be accomplished in my life through everyday prayer, every circumstance of life in my family, my home, my church. God, I want your spirit to intercede for me on our behalf, on my behalf, so that, as your word says, the Spirit, the, the, the Father knows what the will of the Spirit is. And he wants to address it. And I ask God that we would be faithful, that I would be faithful in bringing all these things to you. I need these reminders, God. I need that encouragement, that comfort to know that you're in control. And that you have the ability when I don't. So God, I pray that you would speak to all of our hearts, beginning with mine, Lord. I ask, God, that you would humble us and help us to realize how dependent we are upon you, Lord, for you to answer according to your will. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and maybe this morning you needed that, that encouragement, that reminder to bring your petitions, every weakness to the Lord, knowing that he'll answer. You say, Pastor Ken, God's challenged my heart this morning. I'm, I'm challenged. I need, to, I need to do this more. I need to realize that God is there for me. Would you pray for me? Yes. All over. All over. We need the Holy Spirit to go and be going to the right hand of the Father with groanings and utterings that we cannot understand, but knowing that He does. Are you taking everything to the Lord? Are you bringing every weakness to the Lord? Every ailment, every situation, are you bringing it to the Lord or are you trying to deal with it in your own flesh? Anyone else say, Pastor, pray for me. That's me. I, got, I need to be going to God. Yes. Can I just challenge those of you who have acknowledged that this morning? 
just take a moment and pray. Say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for trying to do it in my own flesh, in my own wisdom, my own knowledge, my own understanding. Forgive me for not pleading my case to the Father and allowing the Holy Spirit to go forward. Forgive me. God, help me to go straight to you. Just take a moment and pray. And make a commitment that you're going to make him your first conversation in a moment of need. Make him the first conversation in your moment of need. This is a challenge to me as I read this. How often I need to be reminded that He is there. Even when I don't know how to pray, He is there. So I'll stand to our feet with our heads bowed as we pray. Lord God, as we come before You, Lord, there are many across this auditorium who acknowledge Lord, they need to pray more. They need to trust you more. They need to be patient and continuous in their prayer to you, Lord, knowing that your Holy Spirit will plead our case. God, I ask that you'd work in my heart for this area as well. All of us, Lord, as a church, as a body of believers, Lord, that we'd be faithful and fervent in prayer. So be with each one who acknowledged that this morning, Lord, that you would just be real to them. May they sense your presence as they make this commitment to you, Lord. And I ask, God, that you would answer each and every request according to your perfect will, as you said you would. Lord, we submit ourselves to you again, afresh and anew this day, and ask you to do in our hearts, Lord, what we cannot do in and of ourselves. Glorify yourself, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.